0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another week and another episode of Unscripted. We're ripping you professionals from all walks of life. We touch on their backstory, their mindset, and how they navigate through adversity and opposition. I'm your host, Akeem Haynes. Now, before I introduce this week's special guest, do us a huge favor. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Apple iTunes or charitable.com and leave a rating and review of the show. This small act goes a long way in moving the podcast forward. This week on the show, three-time Olympic medalist, including a gold, in the team event in 2018, two-time world medalist, including a gold in 2018. She's the sixth woman in Canadian history to win an individual medal in figure skating with a bronze medal in 2018. She is now retired from the ice and is now studying and putting her folks into becoming a journalist. She's also a coach and giving back to her community. I'm talking about former Canadian figure skater Caitlin Osmond stops by the show. Now, it hasn't been long since Caitlin retired from the sport. She stepped away in 2008-19 at the age of 23. Now, you know, some people might say that's very early, but on the other side, she had been skating to that point for 20 years because she started at the age of three. In this episode, Caitlin takes us through the highs and lows of her career, including the injury that made her want to quit at the age of 18, and the backstory behind her 2018 individual medal. I'm talking about when she's in the back call room thinking that she's not going to be able to pull off this competition and get a medal, like that type of backstory. We talk about all of that. We talk about how the pandemic affected her mentally, physically, and emotionally. Uh, we talked about how retirement took a toll on her before she found her footing. And she'll even say in the beginning of this episode, she is still finding her footing. Uh, but we talk about finding self-worth away from the sport. We talk about the changes in her body and her appearance that she had uh, to readjust and to process it all again. She had to find herself away from the sport. And we talk about the mindset and some of the states that she found herself in that nobody necessarily prepared her for. But that's just a short amount of all the things that we talk about in this episode. We get into a lot. Kaylin has came a long way to where she is today. She's honest, she's transparent, and I appreciated that about her. There was one thing that stuck out to me in this episode that I think is very powerful because I think we've all been through it at some point in our stage I don't want to speak for you, but I know I've been through it myself, where she said, in one area, people thought I had everything figured out, but the reality was that I had no idea what was next. That's powerful. That's powerful. But let me stop rambling so we can get into the episode with Caitlin Osmond. Try it
1: now.
0: Okay, hey, how about now?
1: So much better.
0: Perfect. 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 Well, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate the time. Is that a cat over there? Right there?
1: (laughs) He makes appearances in all Zoom calls.
0: What's the the name of your cat?
1: She's Annie.
0: Oh, that's kind of a big cat.
1: She's actually very small. She's just very fluffy. (laughs) And I may have just dropped her.
0: Sorry. I thought cats landed on their feet.
1: She kind of did, but I meant to lay her on the back on the desk, but it was a mixed decision, apparently.
0: Kelly, well, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. It looks very, very sunny over there. I like the picture in the back.
1: It is, yeah, my New York picture. I love New York.
0: But um, so I kind of want to start here. I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have a lot going on right now, um, but you know we can't really skimp over the past couple of years and the impact that has happened right, the 2020 pandemic, and we're still dealing with it. But in the height of the pandemic, how did you navigate through it, right? Not just physically, but emotionally as well, too, because we're all still recovering from it in some capacity.
1: Um, To be completely honest, it was really tough. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure what I actually did. Um, I started off living in Toronto uh, at the height of everything. And I was only just moved there. So I was only there for a about three months beforehand. Um, so then I, everything just shut down and I was stuck in my home and I didn't really have any friends near me anyways. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a bit of an adjustment there. And I came to be with my family, like once everything started like shutting down more and more. So I stayed with my family in Edmonton for a month or so. And then I went back to Toronto to stay in my stay in my apartment. <laughs> Um, and ultimately I actually stepped away from everything physical for a while because I was dealing with a lot of transition issues out of skating and, uh, COVID came at like the height of when everything was getting even worse. <laughs> so I decided I was just going to step away from it all. And, uh, I was doing like zoom classes and stuff with other skaters, but my own self I tried to stay away from everything as possible and then I went I started school where it was all online so I started journalism in school and then uh, ended up making a decision to move out of Toronto and come back to Edmonton and I've been here in coaching and trying to put my life back together again
0: (laughs) you know it's 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 one of those situations where like you know um, for you you stepped away in 2019 right that in itself is an adjustment which goes to my next question you're no longer on the ice every day right and I think being a part of athletes and in the profession that we're in I know for me I only went to three places right the track the weight room and anything else that I passed by was just extra extra and so you're around the same people um, that you see every single day you're traveling with them all these different things right but you said it was tough for you to transition. I think athletes are kind of the only professions that you have to rediscover yourself twice. So, Caitlin, when you were transitioning out, did you have any guidance between that? Right? Like how did you how did you navigate through that whole process, right? Because you're prepared for the ice, you're prepared for competition, but then you come away from all that and it's like, yo, know, you're the same person, but you feel like you're just not. How did you how did you navigate through that whole situation I know you said you're still trying to rebuild some things, but walk me through that transition.
1: Uh, Yeah, so I'm still trying to rebuild it four years from my last competition almost now, and I'm still trying to rebuild that, Um, but originally when I first decided I was going to be done. I didn't know that was going to come in my brain uh, it was kind of a decision I, I won my last competition and I was like you know I, I'm just not gonna compete <laughs> and see what happens <laughs> I was like I'm way too tired I was like I don't want to do this again mm-hmm. um <laughs> so I really just ran away from pretty much all of it uh thankfully in skating, we have an opportunity to have a post career in skating where we can go on the professional side and travel doing shows and, and, and teaching and all that fun stuff. Uh, so I jumped on that bandwagon really fast, especially like going off an Olympic year. It, it's usually a lot more hyped up. Yeah. So I did that <laughs> for a year. I moved out of my home, moved to Ontario. Um, really just ran away from everyone and everything that I knew (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I realized that might not have been the best decision because I didn't have anyone help guiding me and I tried to figure it out by myself and the more and more people kept telling me that it was normal and that they were going through similar things it didn't feel like it Mm. so I just kind of dug myself more and more into like a transition hole for a few years. And it took up until pretty much COVID for me to actually decide, like, no, we got to figure this out now.
0: (laughs) Did you ever get frustrated, just confused as you were trying to make that transition out? Because I had prepared for my transition away from track and field when I was 20, right? I didn't want to do sports until I was in my 30s. I wanted to, you know, be out on my terms. But even though I had been preparing for it when I came out of it, It was a whole new situation. And one of the things, as much as I appreciated what people were saying, they would always say, Akeem, you'll figure it out. Akeem, you'll figure it out. But I wasn't, yo, it it was hard. Like, I wasn't really figuring it out. And I actually got kind of annoyed of hearing that. Did you have any of that, right? Because sometimes, you know, when people transition or think, they have their part figured out. But it's easier said than done sometimes, right? Did you have any moments of frustration and confusion and even honestly, some states of depression during that time?
1: Completely. Um, I was extremely frustrated and dealing with a lot of things mentally and ruined a few relationships in my life because of it. Um, (laughs) but it was a very frustrating time because everyone's like, well, you've accomplished everything already. But I was like, well, I'm 22 or 23, however old I was when I retired. And I was like, Do do I just stop? Was that the end of my life right there? Is that all I will accomplish? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was like a lot of things like that. And they're like, well, you've already figured that out. So you'll figure out a new, a new status, a new uh, approach to things. And I was like, but how, how do I do it? And um, it just got very annoying hearing people say, like, I'll figure it out when I was as far away from figuring anything out as possible. And it just felt like I was a continuous disappointment to everyone around me. And that it was like an embarrassment that uh, one year I was on the top of the world and, and then I really wasn't.
0: <laughs> um, how, is there anything that you would change with the whole process, right? Would you have reached out to more people? Would you, you know, cause in that moment, you know you're so self, I mean, figure skating is such an isolated thing. Right. You're with the team. Absolutely. But when you're on the ice and and you got the whole ice, you don't even got a corner. You got the whole ice. Right. So it's a bit of an isolation process. And I think what we do in competition, we often bring that into real life and isolate ourselves. Would you do anything different?
1: Um. Yes, I definitely would have done things differently. Um. I probably wouldn't have gone an all in, like running away from everything right away thing <laughs> mm-hmm. I definitely would have asked for help sooner I was a strong advocate for mental health when I was uh, when I was competing and getting uh, psychology help and as soon as I'd retired I shunned away from it all and um including my psychology so I was like why am i such a motivational speaker for this and then not go
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh, And then, like, my body started changing because of, well, not training six hours a day. And I didn't know how to deal with that side of it. And I'm still learning how to deal with that side of it. So if I would go back, I would have definitely just not run away as fast as I did. And definitely talk to more people and try to stay connected more with the people that I was traveling with in 2018, 2019, pretty much a lot of the, the, the figure skating team at that time had retired. Yes. Uh, we all kind of took like the same approach to things apparently <laughs> and decided to retire at the same time. Um, so I think I would have probably reached out to them more or trusted their opinions a lot more. But I had a hard time getting close to people uh, when I competed, let alone getting close to people when I was already struggling with my own uh, transition out. So um, it, it just became tough that way. So I definitely would have tried to stay connected more and have help.
0: <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny, right? Because from the outside looking in, you know, people will say, yo, Kaylin, why did you retire at 22, 23 years old? But I don't think people understand that you've been doing this for such a long time. And the years add up and then the injuries come in, all of these different things, right? Because from what I understand, you've been skating since you were, what, three years old?
1: Two years old. Two? uh-huh
0: how does that even work like what like how did, i couldn't i, I had couldn't
1: my sister and i wanted to be like her
0: ah so the older sister got you went through it at two. So when 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 you started doing it, you know, sometimes, you know, people say or I hear athletes say when I picked up the basketball or picked up the football or picked up the snowboard, I just knew this is what I wanted to do. Yes, you've seen your older sister do it, but when you started doing it, especially your first competition when you were probably, what, three or four, right, did this feel like something that you wanted to do?
1: Um, I was too young to know. <laughs> To be honest, I have no idea what my first thoughts of figure skating was. Um, The first time, it was just what I knew. Like I came from a very small town and my parents are both very athletic. So they wanted me and my siblings to be in sports. Mm -hmm. Um, Regardless, they didn't care what it was as long as we did a sport. Um, But coming from a town of that size, there was very few options. We probably could in the winter we could be a hockey player or a figure skater and in the summer we could be a swimmer and a soccer player mm. there was very few options <laughs> um so we went we actually were put into figure skating to be hockey players and then neither my sister or I switched <laughs> so they ended up with two figure skaters Fair enough, uh, <laughs> but um I never it was just what I knew I knew waking up going to the rink going to school going back to the rink and that's what I started in kindergarten so it's just a routine that I got used to and I enjoyed it so I wasn't going to argue about it but apparently the first time that I ever thought like you know what skating's kind of fun and for me was when I was 10 and I was already I already went to my first national championships already won my first national championships. that's crazy and, uh, at a young level, they don't even have that level at nationals anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 But, um, I had the choice to switch into ballet cause I was living in Montreal, taking ballet to help my skating. And, um, uh, I was offered to go full-time into ballet, but my parents told me that I could only choose one or the other. And immediately I chose skating without even questioning it. So, I guess that was my point where I knew skating was for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in in as the time progressed, right? Um, 2011, 2013, as I was doing my research, it's kind of when you started to, you know, win some medals, get on the national championship and the international stages. You know, what what was your mindset going in? Like were you nervous? Did you did you feel pressure, or was it just another competition? The first few events
1: that I did internationally, um, I, they felt like another competition. I was around athletes that I never thought I was ever going to be at their level. Um, I watched the 2010 Olympics and only 2010 Olympics was like the first Olympics that I actually watched. <laughs> and, um, mainly cause I knew some of the athletes competing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch you guys. And I was watching the women's event and I was like, yeah, this is a level that I'm, I'm never going to be at this level. Mm-hmm. So it never even became like a dream of mine to go because I just automatically assumed I wasn't good enough. Um, And then fast forward, like three years, uh, (laughs) I was competing with these skaters that I was watching in 2010 and I was laughing. I was like, I don't belong here. So I was like, I'll just compete and have fun and see what happens. And then I started winning things and then I went to my first Olympics and I was like, and it just all happened so fast that I didn't have time to like think about it and get nervous or like, why is the, like, what is happening until after my first Olympics, and I was like, all right, cool, so apparently I am good enough.
0: <laughs> you know, it was funny, right, I remember, I remember one of my first competitions, now, it' not one of my first, but I think, I think there are moments in our careers, in anybody's career, where you have this moment where you say, you know what, I belong here, like, I feel like I can really do something here, and for me, I didn't, I didn't do well this race. I think I got like fourth or fifth, but I was in the race with some of the people who I used to see on TV, right? Was there a moment, maybe in competition or going into a competition, Kaelin, where you were just like, wait a minute, hey, my program was right. Like I was on point today. I think I can actually get a medal here and do well because, you know, 2014, you got a medal, right? Was there any time prior to that where you said, you know what, I think I can literally be one of the best in the sport
1: you know i never had that mentality where i could that i belonged somewhere until 2017 uh, so that was a good few years after my first olympic
0: yeah. so um, even when you got the mail you've been to the first olympics it was never like yo i can be one of the best it was just like i'm yo i'm here i'm just enjoying it uh
1: yeah i went there i went to 2014 fully for experience um i wasn't ranked high in the international standings um in my own individual event I didn't skate the absolute greatest I came 13th and that's kind of where like I thought I belonged was like the 13th rank um so I just kind of like admitted it and I was like yeah okay that's cool but like two weeks prior to that or a week prior to that I did get a medal at Olympics yeah. um, <laughs> in the team event but I knew I was on such a strong team and that was the first time that figure skating had a team event at the Olympics so it was still very like confusing on what it actually was and how it worked um and for a long time I felt so guilty about that medal because I knew I well at the time I realized now I actually did contribute to getting that medal but for a good few years I did not see it that way and I felt very guilty that I was a part of that team and they kind of like pulled me up to get a medal mm-hmm. um <laughs> So it took me a good few years to realize like, okay, no, I did help there. And then in 2018, I really made sure I helped to get that gold medal. Yeah. Um, so that I it took a bit of that guilt away.
0: <laughs> you, know, you know, when you were watching your first Olympics, right? It's different watching it and then getting there. And then the feeling may be the same or it may not be exactly anything that like you planned it to. When you got there your first time, right? What 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 was going through your head? Did it live up to the expectations that you may have created or was it just like, man, this is normal. <laughs> it's I'm here to work.
1: <laughs> uh that one, I felt very normal. Actually, I felt a little bit like for the first Olympics, like it my first Olympic experience like puts a lot of people's first Olympic experience like kind of, I don't know. People always seem so excited and I'm just like, I don't get it um and then I went to my second one I get it
0: that is exactly (laughs) how I felt
1: (laughs) but the first one I walked in and like the other athletes some of the athletes near me were like crying like unbelief that they were there and like bubbling with excitement and energy and I'm just standing there and I was like waiting to feel it and it Mm -hmm. never came and I was like I don't like what (laughs) and then I never made it to either of my opening ceremonies because I was competing, but I did make it to the closing ceremonies. And in 2014, I walked in on closing. Well, I didn't actually walk in. I walked in on people's shoulders. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that was the first time like, I got it. I was like, this is what everyone's like, hyped up and excited about. And um, it was just unfortunate that it was the closing ceremonies of my first Olympic Games that it yeah. took that long for yeah. me to figure it out. Um, but yeah, so
0: that's when I felt it. <laughs> you know, before we get to the 2018 where you know you came away with two medals, right? <laughs> I read where there was a part in 2014 where you know you you broke your leg, you needed surgery, and that whole process made you want to consider retirement. Right. Now, a lot of people who may not be in the sporting aspect or put themselves in that mindset, you may think to your they may be thinking to themselves, yo. Oh, get the surgery it's easy you'll be right back to where you left off and don't get me wrong that all sounds good right it makes for a greater story and it does make for a greater story but you have to put yourself back together not physically physically the surgery you can put the the rods in and the bones will hopefully heal properly if the surgeon does their thing because I've seen some surgeons that didn't do their thing Caitlin but the surgeons do their thing But then you have to mentally rewire yourself to be able to trust that your body is going to hold up. Kaylin, during that time when you were considering retirement, what was going through your head from a mental standpoint, right? Because I'm sure there were some dark moments, man. Trying to
1: turn my camera away from this Um, (laughs) time. I'm like, I'm getting blinded. There we go. Um, But yeah, so... Funny enough, my ankle break, like it did require surgery and stuff, but like, i talked to my doctor after this and she's like, you got so lucky with that break because it only broke a bone. It didn't affect any ligaments. Um, I had to get, I did have to get the surgery and then I had to get a second surgery to get the metal taken out. Um, but it healed everything healed as good as it could heal. Um, so my bones did what they were supposed to do to heal. Unfortunately, uh, that mental aspect was what tore me down quite a bit. And I didn't realize actually how much it tore me down until a few years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was dealing with a lot of injuries up to that point. I had, tore my hamstring, uh, <laughs> I had a stress fracture on my foot the year before, right after I healed from that, I tore my hamstring. I was out a couple more weeks, um, finally got back into skating and got another stress fracture on my foot. <sighs> and I was like, I was so frustrated. I was awake training in California and I had to come home early and I called my mom. I was like, if I ever get injured again, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm so tired of being injured um, because it is a learning curve every single time you get injured, whether it's a small injury or a big injury, like it, you have to take so many steps back to build forward again. And uh, <laughs> literally the day before I was allowed to start training like full-time again after the uh, the foot stress fracture, um, I broke my foot, my leg. Um,
0: <laughs> Getting stressed, <but> here, Caleb.
1: <laughs> Ten minutes after I was already supposed to be off the ice from training because I decided to stay on longer that day. Put in that
0: extra work, yeah. Do the um, right things.
1: <laughs> and I wasn't even doing anything special. I wasn't jumping. I wasn't spinning. I was literally skating and learning new choreography. And I broke my foot doing the simplest thing possible on the ice. <laughs> um, and I remember the first thing ever when I first hit the ice was just like cannot believe this is happening again that's all I kept screaming in my head was that I cannot believe this was happening again I didn't know that it was broken but I knew there was something just not right at all and the sounds were inhuman and like yes I was in a lot of pain but I think a lot of that pain came from just me being absolutely broken myself and just exhausted and um, just in disbelief that again, it was happening and I was embarrassed and all this stuff. So I sat in the hospital and I'm like, I'm never stepping foot on the ice again. Like, and that commitment in my brain was there. And uh, I didn't tell anyone other than my mom that I wasn't stepping on the ice again. And, because, and I was too scared to tell people because that's all people knew me as, was as a skater. So, and I thought that it was gonna be the easy way out because it would have been, I easily could have walked away. Um, and a part of me just felt guilty walking away on something easy. (laughs) Mm. Um, So I think that's what kept me going for a little bit, but the mentality that I had about just, I was never doing this again. It took me a good two years to break that out of my head.
0: When you got back on the ice, Kaelin, because I remember, man, like I, you know, I tore my hamstring and I tore my quad. And when I came back to my first competition, right? I, I ran very bad I ran so slow and I was like yo I'm washed I was like yo I'm washed I'm never gonna be back to where I was all right so how did you pick yourselves up and, and and what was those next competitions like because it didn't just happen overnight I'm sure there was some periods where you may not have gotten the score that you wanted or some jumps even going up to do what may seem second nature to you and questioning man if I come down am I am I gonna come all the way down or am I gonna be able to land it Was there something that you had to tell yourself to rewire your brain or was it just repetitions over and over again in training?
1: Um, I was doing the training. I was doing everything I could in training and I was actually skating um, minus one year. One year was really bad. Um, (laughs) And then the next year I started competing um, and in practice I was doing what I had to do. Um, I was showing up every day. I was putting in the hours, putting in the repetition and skating actually really well for what I knew I could skate as at that time. Um, and then I would go to competitions and I got nervous for the first time in my life. I was uncomfortable on the ice for the first time in my life. My like favorite thing to do at competitions was to like make judges feel uncomfortable. I don't know why, <laughs> um, but that was like my How goal. would you do
0: that? How would you do that?
1: um just doing my job doing my skating but like I could do like weird things with my legs when I was younger that would like I always loved when I did it in front of the judge and the judge would look at me like what did she just do mm-hmm. um or like uncomfortable eye contact because it's actually what we're supposed to do but it's really funny when you actually like catch a judge's eye and you don't look away I don't know why I get really I have a really fun time doing that um <laughs> but I couldn't do that anymore So, like, everything that I was comfortable and, like, knew about myself on the ice was completely different when I came back after my injury. And I didn't know how to deal with that. And I came out, won my first competition internationally, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. Um, It was not. My next competition, I fell on everything, like everything. I landed two things in my short program and then just fell until the rest of my event was over (laughs) long program included I missed everything and I got off the ice in like absolute shock and my coach is like are you okay and I was like you know I think so (laughs) I don't know ask me in a day (laughs) yes and it was just that continuously after another where I would like improve a little bit but not really get to anywhere where I was Um, I wasn't meddling at anything I went to national championships just of assuming i was going to make it to the world championships uh because that is what i had done in the past and it didn't happen i came third and only chuck two went and i was third and by like the smallest margin i didn't get to go and it took then when i came back i had to like go to the next competition right away and i did a lot better there and i came out of that competition i was like you know what I'm exhausted. I'm like, that year sucked. Like it was absolutely horrible. It was not fun. I don't like going to competitions, not being happy at the end. Um,
0: <laughs> I get it. I like, The
1: training is my least favorite part of skating. Like it was not my favorite. I loved going to competitions. I knew I had to do the training, but it was my least favorite. So I was like, am I really going to just torture myself for the next two years? I'm like, am I just done? I'm like, is this just proof that I can't get back myself back? And I was like, "You know what? no I'm like, I'm two years out from the next Olympics. I'm like, I'm not gonna end like an eighteen or nineteen year career at that point on two horrible years. Um so I was like, you know what I'm gonna like do whatever I can and make it better for the next two years." And the only thing I changed was going to a sports psychologist <laughs> mm. right other than that, my training was the same my. Like the hours I spent was the same. What I did on the ice was the same. Actually, we cut back one hour on Wednesdays, so I actually went back one hour yeah. <laughs> on my last year.
0: Hour rest. A hour rest is needed. Hour
1: rest. Um, and I think just that mentality of just you being like, you know what, I have two years to put in all this effort. It was. It wasn't that I had to change anything. It was just that I had to change my mentality to make it worth it. And have a purpose when I showed up to the rank every day, or showed up to the gym instead of just showing up because people told me to.
0: Okay, I'm a firm believer that um, the moments that break you or almost broke you is the moments that make you who you are. Right? What did you learn during that time about yourself? Right? Because a lot of people, I think, sometimes we can so so focus so much more on the chaos and their turmoil that we actually miss the silver lining in that moment, which is usually the discovery of our strength who we are away from the sport because listen when you're hurt hey, ain't nobody cares. you an afterthought you know but what did you learn about yourself right kaelin the person during that time
1: uh <laughs> the tough one um i learned i was a lot more resilient than i thought i was um i thought things just happened to me mm a really bad way of saying that. Um <laughs> but like my whole life I just did my job. I showed up. I put in the hours and then I competed and it went well. Um and that's kind of how my life went. And like I said about 2014 I felt so undeserving of a silver medal because I didn't think I belonged there. Um I belonged in like the 13th to 15th rank. (laughs) That's what my mentality was. And when I got injured and had to put in the hours, like I was spending four hours a day at physio, just trying to relearn how to walk and get my muscle back and my confidence back as quickly as possible. Um, Or just having to keep myself busy when I wasn't allowed to do what I knew what I was allowed to do every day. Um, it taught me that I had I did work a lot more than I thought I did. Yeah, I did yeah. show up every day and put in the hours and um, it just taught me that I was a lot stronger and yeah, a lot stronger than I thought I was, and that I had a capability to do something that I never thought I could.
0: Oh man and 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 did you ever moving forward? But you know it's all these things that 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 are transferable. Right, all of the things that we go through, especially in sport and anything that we do, we can transfer to a different season. But during that time, Caitlin, the noise is a little bit calmed down because listen, physio rooms are boring as heck, right? There's okay. no there's nobody clapping for you, there is no lights. Uh, what was the support like for you during that time? Right, like you know, yes, your parents are there and they can do a lot, but you also need other voices out there as well, too. During that time, Um, what was the support like for you? And how did you stay encouraged to go to physio? Because that's a whole battle by itself, just going to physio. You know, how how did you stay encouraged, you know, each and every single day? Because some days are tougher than others.
1: Definitely some days were tougher than others, but I had such amazing people around me at that time um, that I wish I embraced that kind of support more when I retired, but I did not. So... (laughs) When I broke my leg, I embraced all support I could get, Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, but my parents were super supportive for one. Uh, they were cooking for me because I couldn't. Um, cooking when you can only hobble around on one foot, I discovered it's really difficult. I was very proud of myself when I mastered scrambled eggs after- Hey, come- small
0: home. wins, small wins, they <laughs> add up, they add up.
1: But um, like for me to be able to go, I was at the gym a week later because- all my trainers and coaches knew that if I stepped away for too long, I wasn't going to come back. Um, so a week post my surgery, still on my crutches, hobbling around, uh, my trainer convinced me to come in and just do what I could. And unfortunately, my dad was working. I couldn't drive because I decided to break my driving foot. But. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't do anything and so I would have to go to the gym at 4 30 in the morning because it's the only time I could get a ride to the gym to work with my trainer and my dad would be up and in the car waiting for me so I could so he could drive me there and hang out and wait for the hour for me to get done and go home Mm -hmm. and then so my parents were like amazingly supportive that way my trainers did everything they could to help motivate me if I showed up and just wanted to cry for an hour they let me show up and cry for an okay,
0: hour. shout out to them shout out to them
1: they're like you know what sorry my dog's going nuts
0: it's all good.
1: <laughs> so yeah uh it was just amazing like what they did for me there they tried to keep me motivated by just keeping me strong and then my physio I started working with him when I was 13 years old and we made physio fun um uh, instead of just doing the fun ankle exercises that I could do and then that was just really exciting because like the smallest movement was like the world's best thing um and it just really made me appreciate the simple things
0: <laughs> mm.
1: because it's amazing how excited someone can get by pointing and toe.
0: <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs>
1: um And then we started making obstacle courses to build like my confidence and like my instability. And we just made it fun that way. And that was a big game changer for me was to keep everything fun and light. Um, Even my agent was like booking me for like random events that I could just go to so I'm not sitting at home. Uh, My friends would come pick me up and we'd go shopping for the day or something to just keep me out of the house and up on my feet and that was a big, big help. And next thing I know, the seven weeks or whatever were over, and I could get back on the ice. You
0: know, I think it's important, right? Because as much as we think we can do everything alone, no person is an island, right? So you know, now that we've built that foundation, right, of all of the things that happened prior to 2018, special year for you, right? And I actually watched um, your program about three times this morning, and I was watching it, Caitlin, and and. And from what I see, right, at the beginning, you were kind of feeling things out, but then you started to get confident, right? And then everything started to become different. I was like, to me, now I'm still learning how everything is being judged and the right scores. But for me, I'm seeing someone who was coming in, who is getting warmer and warmer and more confident and more confident. And I got to midway, I was just like, oh, yeah, she's on the podium, Right. And I and I was because that's just the confidence thing when you were on the ice, Caitlin, getting ready. Right. Because some of the judges were saying, you know, there's so much pressure on the line, like you don't already know that. Right. But what did that moment feel like? And did you feel like you were going to win a medal at that time? Um, Actually, what you saw was
1: very accurate. <laughs> I'm <glad> I'm close. <laughs> And I had never been more nervous in my life as I was that morning. Mm -hmm. Like I'm normally a very chatty person and my, like my roommates that were at Olympics, like she tried to, some of them tried to say like good morning to me and I would like say good morning, but she could tell like I was not
0: Didn't there. Yeah.
1: There was no like emotion behind it. It was just like monotone. No one talked to me kind of morning. Um, and then like my coach, he was trying to talk to me and he's like, all right, she's not going to talk today. Cool. Cool. <laughs> this is new.
0: <laughs> That's just <laughs>
1: he's like well she just looks like she needs more water I'll go get that for her instead <laughs> um and I was getting on the ice and we have to wait behind this curtain because the, the skater's on the ice and I was like behind the curtain you could hear everything that was going in the stadium but you couldn't see anything because you're just looking at a purple curtain and I was like oh, what am I doing I'm like I I was so scared I was like I'm gonna go out and just like miss everything like it's not gonna work yeah. and then we had a six-minute warm-up, and the six-minute warm-up is what like changed a lot of that nervous system in me. Um, was because like I got on the ice and I was expecting to miss things. Like I would go up into the air and I'd be spinning and I'd be like, "All right, I'm I'm not gonna land this solidly." And then I would land, and my leg was so still, and I was like, "Okay, we'll take it." <laughs> and each jump, they like gained my confidence, and then I had to wait a while. And I was skating after the girl who ended up winning the Olympics. And she has a tendency to put out really high scores at that time. And I was like, well, committed to hearing a world record going out before I skated. I was like, okay, I'm ready. And funny enough, like people like tend to like, there's a lot of skaters that will like plug their ears for the noises. I've never been one of those people. I was like, if I hear it, I hear it. I don't, I don't. I didn't hear it. I heard cheering, but I somehow missed an entire score being announced. And I was like, all right, I guess it's my turn. And uh I went to my starting position and each jump I landed, I w- I shocked myself by how solid I was. Wow. And um I got landed the first jump, I was great. Was the second jump, the third jump, I had a little wobble and I was like, oh no, or like this is it. I'm like, this, this is not gonna work. And yeah. then the next jump is usually the one that I miss. Like, this thing was like my Achilles heel. Like, I hated it so much because it was like, it half the time worked, majority of the time it didn't. And <laughs> I was going into it and I was like, nope, not today. We are doing this. Mm-hmm. And I landed it. I felt like this weird, sharp pain in my foot. And I was like, we may have just broke my foot, but whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> not today, not today.
1: <laughs> and when I hit the ground, I was like, you know what, I'm on my foot. And then it was just like smooth sailing. It like gave me so much more energy for the rest of my program. And uh, the only time I got nervous then was going into my last jump because it was my easiest. And because it was my easiest, I tended to miss it um, <laughs> because I'd be like, oh, this is easy. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I went in and uh, I landed it and then I just got to celebrate for the rest of my program then do like the things that I loved about skating which was like the performance and storytelling and I really got to just like live that moment and um yeah when I finished my program I didn't know if I hit the podium or not I knew I was in contention because I was in third after the short um but at the same time, like there's a side of me that just knew something was good mm-hmm. was going to happen. <laughs> and I, for me, it was such a big confidence boost because like I said, in 2014, I felt very undeserving and guilty. And when I hit the ending position of that program, I was like, no, this is why I'm here. And it was kind of just like my screw you to everyone who never thought that <laughs> I was going to get it done.
0: Kaylin, <laughs> I want to, I want to ask you a question that, that, you know, I I didn't really tell myself when I was in the sport, because you're, when you're in it, I mean, even now, it's something I'm still working on, but when you think about what you've been doing, and you are way more than an athlete, absolutely, but when you think about how much time you've put into it, to the injury that you had to come back from, and all of the traveling, and all of the things, and then you finally come away with an individual medal, as well as a team medal, was there did you ever say, hey, like, I'm proud of myself, right? I'm talking about self-worth now, right? Did you ever take a moment to say, man, I am proud of me?
1: It took a minute <laughs> because it took a long time for me to get over the mentality that I could always be better. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it happened for like a split second at Olympics and then a split second again at the world championships a month later. Um So... My whole life it was always like you could be one. Sh- I wasn't the greatest jumper growing up. And then I ended up being a really good jumper. But it was always like I could learn how to jump better, I could learn how to spin better, my choreography could be better, I could stretch my legs more, I could be more graceful, I could be leaner, I could be skinnier, I could be everything to make myself better. Um <laughs> and then I just always thought that I was never actually gonna be good because I could always be better. Mm. Um And when I hit my ending musician at at the Olympics, it was my moment to just sit there. And I was like, no, I am good enough. I just did that. And I did the same thing at a world championships a month later. I was exhausted. Competing a month after the Olympics is a very horrible idea.
0: I agree. agree.
1: It was like three weeks of me crying at home (laughs) and going to the, uh, going to world championships and just being like, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and then I was in fourth after my short, I was just like, this isn't working. I'm like, I'm not skating great. Like, what are we doing? um And then I went into my long program and I skated a program far beyond, I skated a clean program, like potentially almost better than I did at the at Olympic games a month before. And that's when I, didn't even care what everyone thought because at that moment I knew I was good enough for everything that I thought I could do Mm. so the Olympics was kind of like my to everyone I'm good and then my world championship was to me I was like you know what we did this I'm like we both woke up this morning thinking I was going to quit halfway through this program and I made it through and I won so (laughs) (laughs) um it was it was just an exciting moment that way
0: uh last two questions before the last fun five caitlin but we gotta touch on stars on the ice right because not everybody gets an opportunity to do that right and i was watching some of your programs there as well too it almost kind of seemed like you were skating like a lot freer you know i'm saying like there wasn't really any like yo there's a medal awarded here it was just yo i'm just here for fun i'm just here to just do my thing and enjoy this moment what was that what was that experience like for you
1: The Stars on Ice and any other show that I've been a part of, it it is just free. It's the reason that a lot of skaters start skating, to get on the ice and just have fun. It's the reason why in the middle of winter you see a bunch of people out skating on the outdoor rinks. Um, It's just the feeling of having fun on ice. If Well, if you can skate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some people that don't know how to skate don't really feel the love of ice. (laughs) But it's just free, and in skating, there's just so many rules. There's so many things to follow. There's so many judges to to impress, and on a day, some judge might just not like you, and I've just come to terms with that Um, (laughs) where I just admit a defeat sometimes at competitions because I was like, you know what? I skated great today, but apparently they missed something.
0: This is a a real thing. (laughs) That's a whole another hour we could touch on that.
1: It's a whole thing. Um, so I just, towards the end of my skating career, I just stopped caring what the judges thought. I was like, you know, I'll do my job. If it works, it works, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Okay, whatever. that um, I come to at shows, I didn't have to worry about that. There was no rules. I didn't have to do these big triples that I hated doing. Um, I could just do what I wanted. <laughs> and have fun with the audience and joke around with the audience and actually like talk to them during a program sometimes which was always a little interesting they didn't expect it Um, but it's like feeling that interaction with an audience a lot like closer and and feeling that interaction with the other castmates that I have and the people that I've traveled the world with and um, it's just a lot more intimate and free.
0: (laughs) You're two years removed from it now in 2019. what what are your thoughts on it now right because sometimes when you're you're done with it like you're done with it you don't watch it you don't do none of that whatever animosity you may have to certain judges or certain things or certain people you just don't mess with it right now but what is that relationship with figure skating like now for you it's
1: like an and flow.
0: i get it i I get it trust me i get it
1: I very much distanced myself. I didn't watch skating for almost two years. Um, And then I just gotten back into watching it and COVID happened and there was no skating to watch anymore. So I was like, I'm just not meant to watch skating anymore.
0: It's a sign. Um,
1: (laughs) But now I actually find like an enjoyment watching it and a really uh, sigh of relief actually watching it that I'm not competing because in the last four years, I don't know what happened to figure skaters, but they like real increased their abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm watching them, and I was like, "Oh, thank God!" I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's really fun to watch it now, and I really and I love that side of it. Um, I've gotten into coaching, which originally, when I retired from skating, I said I was never going to do because it's just something I never wanted to do I was like I was so frustrated with so much about skating I was like I don't think any kid wants me to teach them that um (laughs) so uh I kind of vanished from that side of it too and then I got convinced to just do it sometimes and I actually started building like an appreciation for it again and now I love going to the ring to coach and um working with kids and even it's just the smallest thing like learning how to straighten a leg on a spin um I get like bubbly excited so that side of it is like I'm growing to love uh my skating itself I'm still trying to train for shows I actually have a show coming up soon um and then the stars on ice tours in the fall in the spring again. Hopefully <laughs> they keep wanting to postpone that. Um
0: <laughs> let, let it happen, people. Let it happen.
1: <laughs> let happen. Um so I'm still training like for things myself. And and that's where the, the ebb and flow really comes along. Uh some days I show up and it's fun and it's free. And other days I just question why I'm trying to do this to myself again. Um I'm definitely not as good as I was four years ago. So like the realization of that every day kind of like beats at my ego quite a bit. <laughs> um, And everyone's like, well, it's fine. That was four years ago. Your body changes. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still going to mess with my brain a little bit.
0: Yeah, especially <laughs> when you've been at that level. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you don't have to be perfect to be to be at that better than average level. You know, Kaylin, I can tell that you're a person who is going through a bunch of changes and transformed into the person that you are today, more confident, um, able to speak your mind a lot more. But there's still things, as you said, that you're dealing with, right? the changing of the body and so many different things. And I think that's something that a lot of people deal with. You don't have to be in sport to deal with body changes and mental changes. Kaylin, if there was one word of advice, maybe someone's listening to this and they're going through their own trials and tribulations. Maybe they're a young female skater or male skater who is trying to get there when they're on the ice they're cool but when they get off the ice they're questioning is this really worth it you know am I strong enough am I lean enough am I slender enough what is a word of encouragement what is an, something that you would say to someone who may be battling their own mental struggles
1: um can I get two words
0: give two come on now Caitlin give uh... it one to us. <laughs>
1: One is passion. Um, nothing's worth it if you're not passionate about it, in my opinion. Um, you can hate it. <laughs> you can really not like it some days, but there's still a reason that people show up. And if you stop losing, if you start not having that reason, whether some days it's for your coach, you show up for your coach. Some days you show up just because you want to get out of the house um some days you show up because you're actually excited to go like there isn't good days um <laughs> mm-hmm. so having that reason having a passion and just revisiting what that passion is and what it is that drives you and then like deciding from there um to either take a step back and revisit that passion in a different direction or continue with it and push through and get back to the parts that make you excited um For me, it was the performance and the competing. I loved competing. I loved performing. I hated training. Uh
0: (laughs) I get that. I get that. So Mm -hmm. I
1: knew I had to show up because if I went to a competition and wanted to be happy at the end, if I didn't train, it wasn't going to happen. So uh, define that passion and the reason that you do things, but then also just be kind Um, And that's something that I've learned as I got older and retired from skating was to be kind to yourself and to be kind to others that are trying to do the same thing. Um, Everyone's dealing with their own struggles in different ways. And unfortunately, there's a lot of the world that just isn't kind anymore. And that can tear apart that passion quite a bit. Um, That's been a big part of my struggles with returning back to skating, especially during COVID, uh, where I wasn't really able to train for a year. was just the unkind people that kind of made me forget why I love skating or why I love doing my job sometimes. So to be kind to others, but also be kind to yourself and realize um, what you're doing, you're doing it for a reason. You
0: know, that's, 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 that's so powerful. You know, I always say, you know, someone's always going to say something regardless of what you do. You may be the first person to fix world hunger and someone would say, well, why did you do it like that? You could have saved money over here. So to me, it's just like, man, exactly what you said. Be kind and give yourself some grace. But killing, let's jump into the, the last fun five questions. We got the hard stuff out the way, all of that stuff. Now we're going to get into the easy five. Well, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be too hard. But uh, first question. If you were trapped on a deserted island for a week, Kaylin, you could only bring three things. What three things would you bring?
1: I'm a dogs.
0: <laughs> okay, okay.
1: If I'm going to be on an island, I need my dog to be able to swim with me. <laughs> um, my dogs, um, a good book and... I feel like survival kit. <laughs>
0: Hey, you need a little band-aids just in case you need, you need, you need some.
1: I'm I'm a klutz. I need a survival kit.
0: (laughs) Question two, if, if, if you could have dinner with five people, pastor, present, Kaylin, who would be at your table?
1: Oh my gosh. I don't even think I know five people. Um, or know five people's names. (laughs) Uh, I want to say Barbara Ann Scott, because she is an amazing figure skater that I wish I actually got the opportunity to meet. And her magazine is always above my head when I work. So Mm. I love it. Um, Tom Holland, because I love Spider-Man. And those are two very extreme separate things going on. Um, (laughs) Really any Marvel character, I would love to meet them. Um, Like Brian Reynolds. Like I'm not going to complain about that. (laughs) Um, I need two more and I can't think of I'm sorry
0: (laughs) okay it'll, it'll come it'll come you know three uh question three you know there's so much perceptions of you right they see you on the ice they may see you in person and they may have their own perception about you what is one of the biggest misconceptions about Caitlin Osmond
1: I'm a lot more open about who I am now but when I competed everyone had a strong sense that I was well extremely confident and i was not <laughs> i was very very not confident and uh a lot of misconception over just me being comfortable with who i was and just i guess that came from my performing side but i was not i was never comfortable i was never confident it, it, it was a lot of fake until you make it things going on when i compete
0: <laughs> question four um i know you're doing journalism now what 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 should we expect from you in that category? you respecting articles or respecting some media stuff? What which area of journalism do you want to go in?
1: Uh great question. And it changes by the day. That's
0: okay. um, <laughs> time, we got time.
1: <laughs> I love the media side of things. I love uh my biggest dream growing up was radio. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love radio just to talk about literally anything I want. <laughs> or anything the radio station wants. Um, <laughs> but the more I got into journalism, I started writing articles around psychology and stuff like that. And I really, really loved it. So who knows? <laughs>
0: perfect, perfect. And then last question, you know, everything that you've had to get through to get to this point, right on the ice off the ice, the ups and downs, all the traveling, everything that got you to this point, if there was one word to describe you, what would that one word be and give me a little context behind why that word. Resilient. Hmm.
1: Um, it's a word that I need to remind myself of every day also. Um, but a lot of people helped used it to describe me when I competed it because I did have to deal with the injuries and Uh, I had a lot of upsets and a lot of benefits in skating and I was resilient in it. And a lot of people keep trying to tell me that now, and it's harder for me to feel that and remember it. Uh, So I'm going to keep that word because I have to keep reminding myself of it.
0: Yes. I'm I'm a firm believer that sometimes you got to tell yourself something over and over and over again until your heart starts to believe it, not necessarily your mind, what your heart starts to believe. Kaylin, thank you so much for your time. I know you have a lot going on in these next couple months and now, but where can people continue to support and to keep in touch with what you're doing? Because Stars on the Ice is coming. It's coming back. There's not going to be no delays. We're going to see you back on the ice very shortly
1: yes stars on ice is coming up soon hopefully 99 sure um still trying to work on getting more things if you're a skating club i love being hired for seminars just like hook it
0: up hook it up
1: um, <laughs> and my instagram my instagram is probably where you'll see me the most which is at kate kiss so
0: Kim thank you again so much for your time um we'll be in touch have a great rest of your day and week
1: you too thank you